Well, it's good to be back with the Moundsville Baptist Church family, and uh, it's been about a month since I've been here, a little, little, maybe a little more than that. March 11th was the last time I was here on a Sunday night with Ezekiel's Call and uh, the group I sing with, and um, when um, uh, Brother Bob got a hold of me and, and uh, said, uh, what do you got going on April and May? And I said, well, I've got three Sundays open in May and two open in April. Which is unusual because this time last year we were in Tennessee and all over the place. But for some reason, those dates just hadn't filled. And uh, when he called, I talked to the girls and they said, well, that's why they didn't fill because you're needed to be there. And they do send their warm regards and their welcome and, and uh, hellos to you. And you keep us in prayer. Uh, we finally got dates settled down. Um, uh, May 17th, 18th, and 19th will be down in uh, Madison, Tennessee, just a little bit north of Nashville, uh, doing our first CD. And uh, we're getting the tracks back as they come in. We're listening to them, and I am just excited about what God is doing. I'm kind of a little envious, and I know we're not supposed to be, but the guy that's doing our tracking for us is 21 years old. And I'll tell you what, you think he's been playing music since he came out of the womb, amen? I mean, he's just doing a fantastic job, and we've kind of given some stylistic points what we want it to sound like, and he has come through every single time. And we're just excited about what God's going to do. Uh, those CDs should be available around the 1st of June. So like I said, as soon as they become available, I'll let everybody know here so you can know how to get a hold of them. And, uh, but we're looking forward to it. I'm also glad to have my wife and my youngest daughter with us this morning. And um, they don't travel with me a lot during the school year. But uh, today she's with me because it'll be tonight at 6 o'clock, 13 years ago, something like that. I know it was 13 years ago, I just don't remember the exact time. But uh, 13 years ago, around 6 o'clock in the evening, uh, we said our I do's. We're celebrating 13 years of marriage today. And I told one of my friends the other day, I said, my name is Jason, and we're celebrating 13 years. That's all I'm going to say about that. But, uh, but anyways, um, but, uh, but we're so grateful to be here this morning. And I know the Scripture wasn't long this morning, but those three verses have really, I've really clung to them here lately. Uh, we've had a rough start to our year as a family. As many of you know, when I was here before, I told you about what happened with our daughter. And then in the last couple of weeks, uh, my wife's father went home to be with the Lord. And uh, he was. Uh, we went to see him on Easter weekend. And uh, he was a big Steelers fan. I didn't hold that against him. Uh, but uh, I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I'll just tell you right now. And uh, have been for 31 years. Uh, now, I like the Steelers. I just root against them two times a year. And if they play in the playoffs against them, then I root against them then. But anyways, uh, him and I always had that little thing between us. And I told him before we left on Easter Sunday, I told him, I said, now, when we get to come back down and see you, I'm going to bring you a new blanket. Because he, 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 uh, he loved his blankets. And he goes, oh, you are? And I said, yeah, I'm going to bring you down a Bengals blanket. He goes, I'll burn it. And he would have, too. Trust me. He would have figured it out. He had a great sense of humor, and uh, we spent a lot of time together. And uh, But we left that Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and I told him when we come back down, I'll bring that to you. Jokingly, that I would bring that blanket to him. Not really, but jokingly. Little did I know, the following Wednesday morning, God would call him home. See, we're never guaranteed the next five seconds, let alone tomorrow. And as we have been through two funerals this year in our family, and and I've been in graveyards over the years, and I always see the day you're born, 
the day you died, in that middle is that little dash or error or whatever it might be. And that's supposed to tell what happened in your life. And to me, I don't know who decided to put the dash on the tombstones, who came up with that, but to me that's God-inspired because that verse that we read this morning about our life being just a vapor. Vapor, when you're boiling something on the stove and the vapor flies up, it's only there for a little bit and then it's gone. That's our life. Now, we think down here on earth, if we live 90... My father-in-law, when he passed away, was 90 years young. He lived a full life. God had given him 20 bonus years on top of the years that he was promised. We think 90 years is a long time, but in God's mind, in God's eyes, just a snap of his fingers. Because the Bible says in Peter that a thousand years is one day and one day is a thousand years of the Lord. Their time frame in heaven is way different than our time frame down here. And I can tell you this much this morning, that I'm going to be down here, I'm going to be missing Him down here, but I'm going to be with Him a lot more longer up there than I'm going to miss Him down here. Amen? But our life is a vapor. It's very short. Now, I, my, when, I, when God calls me home, unless it happens by rapture, uh, uh, my tombstone one day will say, Born July 1st, 1975. Now, Bob Wolfs will read, Born whatever month he was born in, 1885. <laughs> and actually, I think he's older. I honestly think his first singing gig was on the ark, but I can't prove it. Uh, but, uh, but anyways, but uh, his lovely wife had a birthday this week. And see, when, fo- when folks share a Facebook page and they say birthday, I don't know which one I'm talking to. I did not think that you were that close to that mark. I'm not going to mention the number because I don't want to get nothing thrown from the balcony. But uh, I-, I thought that it was him, not you. And uh, so, uh, but, uh, but, you know, and you're never sure who you're saying happy birthday. So I said, happy birthday, buddy, just automatically thinking it was Bob. And then I saw her put something up later. She says, thank you, everybody, for the birthday wishes. I'm like, well, I messed that one up, didn't I? But uh, we have that, but we don't know when that end date's going to be. We don't know. God doesn't tell us. The Bible says in Hebrews, it's appointed on the man once to die, then the judgment. Now, what does the judgment mean? Well, for the, for the judgment, for the, for the saved, it means you're going to stand before God and give an account of your life and your service for Him. If you're lost, that means the judgment's going to come later down the road at the great white throne judgment. But we're, that's one appointment we're going to keep. <laughs> Listen, I'm a Baptist to the bone. I'm always late. All right? And I always tell people I was predestined to be born late. Because I was due May 30, May, in the end of May, and I didn't show up until July 1st. So I was, I'm predestined to be late. And, uh, but, uh, my mom said they think they messed up on her due date. I said something was wrong, either that or I just didn't want to come out of the, get evicted right away, you know? But, uh, we all have our birthday. We know when our clock started. But only God knows where it's going to end. I'd like to say this morning, I I wish we could, uh, you know, we're going to live forever after we pass out of this world. There's no doubt about it. You're going to live one of two places for eternity. You're going to live in heaven or you're going to live in hell. You're all going to have an eternal life. It's just where's it going to be lived at. But we don't know when our lives are going to end. We don't know when God's going to call us and say, okay, it's time for him to come home. It's time for her to come home. Because it's all in God's master plan and will. I don't understand why... Our daughter died the way she did and died in that accident. I don't understand. I don't know why God chose to take my father-in-law when he did. But it's not for me to question that. It's just to trust God that he knows what he's doing. And he's got a plan for everything he does. Life is precious this morning. 
as you said, the, the greatest thing we have is our health. And listen, I've not always been the healthiest person in my life. I, 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 back a few years ago, I was well over 300 pounds. But I decided, I made a decision. My dad had his first heart attack at 54, and we almost lost him. And I decided at that moment I needed to start getting healthier. So I changed things, changed the way I eat. Now, no matter what we do, though, whether we change our diet, we start taking this vitamin, this supplement, whatever, eventually you're going to die. It's going to happen. You're either going to die and the undertaker's going to take care of you or the upper taker's going to take you home. That's your two options. The undertaker or the upper taker. Personally, I'd rather go to the, with the upper taker and all of us go at one time. That would be a far better uh, plan for me. But I just want to go over these verses again real quick. Uh, verse, uh, verse 14 is, is where I want to key at this morning. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is but a vapor. It appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. Now that first verse 13 talks about how many of us here have made plans for this week? Raise your hand. You made plans for this week. Pretty much know what you're going to do this week. you got all your plans up. Do you know that God doesn't care what your plans are this week? He does not care. He cares about you. He loves you. But He doesn't care what's on your agenda because it's what's on His agenda that matters. You can have plans to do this and that and God says, okay, you think you're going to do that, but guess what? No, you're not. You know, like, the, uh, like I believe it's in the book of Matthew or book of Luke, I can't remember exactly what about the rich man that said he had great barns, he had great wealth, and he had all these possessions and barns, and he was going to build himself greater barns, and so he'd have more room to store more stuff up. And what does the Bible say? Thou fool, tonight shall thy soul be required of thee. Listen. I can't tell you when God's going to call you home. I can just tell you He's going to eventually. We need to be ready. Because we never know. You could be traveling. I'm not trying to scare anyone, but you could be traveling home this afternoon, going home like you always have after many of Sundays in church, and somebody could pull out in front of you. You could hit them, be in a car accident, and into eternity you go. You say, well, that doesn't happen. Yes, it does. It happens every day. It happens every day. That's why we need to make sure that our hearts are right with the Lord. That's why we need to know that we're in that personal relationship. Somebody asked me one day, says, are you afraid of dying? I said, no, I am not afraid of dying. Because my Bible tells me, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And I believe the morning that my father-in-law closed his eyes in death, he woke up, he saw his wife, he saw his two granddaughters, and most of all, he saw his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a thing to wake up to. My goodness. And uh, my, my, my step-grandson asked his mom a question. She said, he said, Mama, now that, now that Poppy's in heaven, does that mean his skin's not wrinkly anymore? It's <laughs> exactly what he has. S- seven, right? He'll be, or he'll, he'll, be, he'll be eight. He'll be seven? Okay. I can't keep the ages. Um, but he'll be seven. And he's my grand, step-grandson who lives down in Fairmont. He asked his mom that question. I love it. I was like, well, why would he ask that? Listen. Kids come up with the most interesting questions that they can ask. Uh, he also asked when we were in the funeral if he could open his eyes because he thought he was sleeping. But he's just a precious little boy, but he says his skin wrinkly anymore now that he's in heaven. And, it, and we laugh about that, but think about this. You gotta get, you're going to get a brand new body. Glorified body. No more pain. You know, everybody says, well, think about what's going to be in heaven. I said, think about what's not going to be there. No funeral homes. No graveyards. No wheelchairs, no hospitals, no crutches, no hospitals. Everything is going to be brand new, and we're going to be glorified body. We're going to be just like Jesus Christ. 
I don't know about you, but I would wish I could run like I used to. I can't because I hear snap, crackle, and pop. Now, I used to hear that on my cereal in the morning, but now I hear it when I get up out of bed every day. My one knee, if you put your hand on it, sounds like a door hinge swinging on it, creaking. I'm going to get like the Tin Man, the Wizard of Oz, Brother Bob, and get that oil can just start, you know, hitting the joints every morning. I did have somebody tell me one time, so you put WD-40 on your knees and wrap it with a, a bandage, it'll feel better in the morning. I said, WD-40 on your knees. Yeah, that, 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 he said it works. I've never tried it, but he says it works. But uh, we, this body wears out over time. You know, it wears out. We get old. But thank God someday we're going to have a brand new body. And it's never going to age. It's never going to get old. It's never going to wear out. If you want to run a marathon through heaven, you can run a marathon through heaven. I don't know if they'll have that or not. I have no idea. But I know one thing. When I get to heaven, if you see a trail of gold dust kicking up, it's because I'm running the streets of gold. I'm going to tell you that right now. I had a gentleman tell me, a lady tell me that one time. She says, thank you. I think I may have told this story. I don't know if I did, but we were singing somewhere one time, and a guy passed away on the front pew while we were singing. We were singing, he touched me, and he got touched and taken to heaven. His wife showed up the next morning where we were singing, came up and gave all of us a hug, and she said, thank you for singing my husband into heaven. He's up there kicking up gold dust. And when, we, when he left this world, he was using a walker. But God called him home that night. I've never had that happen before. Never had it happen again. And I have a real hard time singing. He touched me uh, when we <laughs> last year when we were up at the at the theater singing back last October singing the Southern Gospel thing, and they got the He touched me. And then Miss Jean said, "If anybody wants to come forward for prayer, you come forward for prayer." We start singing. He touched me. I see two old ladies walking down with their oxygen tanks behind them. I said, "I'm telling you right now, if anything happens to them too, I'm off this stage in a heartbeat." I just, anytime that song's sung, I just start looking around and like, okay, Lord, I don't need anybody else dying while I'm singing. Because then, then I'll know it's the song and not the song. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I mean, if you, want, if you want some singing, make your ears hurt, come tonight. Bob will make your ears hurt. I'll tell you that right now. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll tell you what, if, you, if you've never heard the Retzer Trio, you are in for a treat. They are fantastic. And you'll enjoy them tonight. But our life is very short. So I was thinking some things of a Christian. What would we want to be said about us when we die? I've always said I want to put on my tombstone. He was always late. But this is one appointment he kept and was on time for. But what would we want to be said about us? I've thought about this over the years, and, and my dad has said this, and I, and I want this to be said of me by my children and by my family, that I was someone, number one, that was faithful to the call on my life that Jesus has given me. That I was faithful in His call. That when I'm laid out there in that casket and they're walking by and looking at me, they go, my dad was faithful. He was there. He went, wherever God told him to go, that's where he went. And I think for those of us as Christians, one thing we would want our dash to say is that we're faithful. Now, I know sometimes it's hard to be faithful because life gets in the way. But the Bible tells me over in Timothy that even when we're faithless, God's still faithful. So we should strive to be faithful to Him. So I think one of the things that a Christian would want someone to say about the dash of them when they look at that tombstone or they're at the funeral home when you're there laid out in front of everybody, that they say that they're faithful. That person was faithful. They were always in church. They were, I always heard, heard them talking about the Lord. I always heard them talking about you know what Bible study they were doing and this and that. Faithful to the Lord and faithful to what He's called you to do. Another thing. 
that I think I would think I'd, we'd want our dash to say is that we were loving. Listen, it's hard to love everybody, isn't it? Especially when you're sitting in the drive-thru at lunchtime and you've got a 30-second break and you've been sitting there for 25 minutes. Probably at McDonald's or Taco Bell. I know one day, uh, a few months ago, my, I was in Waynesburg and my daughter Alyssa sent me a message. She says, Daddy, can you stop at Taco Bell and get me a couple burritos and bring them to work? Sure. I get in this little line. Now, we're in Podunk, Waynesburg, okay? Not a lot goes on in Waynesburg. This Taco Bell we get in, I mean, it's wrapped around a bun. I'm like, man, this must be the place to be. Well, 10 minutes. I ordered the food. 10 minutes went by. 15 minutes went by. Find the car in front of me. Had one little bag handed out, and they took off. I'm like, what in the world? So me and my sense of humor, Brother Dave, I got up to the window, and I looked at the lady, very, very straight-laced, and I said, so, how far in Mexico did you have to go to get that food? I said, I know you say run for the border, but man, you guys are walking today. And she looks at me and she goes, you think you're funny, don't you? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm glad that stuff was already in a bag because I'd have probably had something done to it. And she handed around and slammed that door. And before she slammed that door, I said, you have a blessed day. And I drove off and I took the food. But how often is it hard to love people? You know, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to love our family. I've always said we're always commanded by the Bible to love each other. But the Bible doesn't say anything about liking each other. And, I, and I've said this over the years before. I said, you know, I said, I love, peeps, love this person, but I don't like them too much right now. But we're commanded to love. God loves us with an unconditional love, an agape love, unconditional. He loves us no matter what. So we should be able to love each other. More than, more than love each other in the church, we should be able to love those out there that aren't in church. Love those that are lost, because that's where Jesus went. Jesus went and sat and ate with the sinners. He witnessed to the people that were lost that needed Him. And yet we can't love each other in the church. So how if we can't love each other in the church sometimes, how are we going to love anybody outside the church? You know, I've sung in churches where I've seen this side against this side. And I mean, it's like pulling teeth. I saw a church one time almost split over toilet paper. Total wipeout. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, this is true. I was about seven years old with my mom's church that she grew up in. And that was back when they had the colored toilet paper, the pink and the blue and the white, the Charmin. Well, the lady, the custodial, the janitor, the lady was the janitor. She wanted the blue and the boys and the, and the pink and the girls. And the one head deacon wanted white and both. And she was about four foot nothing, and he was about six foot five. She got nose to belly with him, and they were going at it. Over toilet paper. How ridiculous. When life is so short to fight over toilet paper. You know, we get in arguments with our spouses. Ask my wife. She'll tell you we get in arguments sometimes. Every, every relationship does. Love you, honey. But it's because we love each other that, yeah, we might get upset, we might have a difference of opinion, but because we love each other, we try it, we work it out. And that's what we need to do as Christians. We need to love each other and work to come to a compromise. Amos, I believe it's in Amos where it says, two men can't walk together unless they be agreed. So, we've got to love each other. It may be hard, but you've got to love each other. 
What did Jesus say? This is my goodness. You love one another as I have loved you. That's a powerful love. But I think that's one thing we'd want on our, on, to say about our dash is that we were loving. We were loving people or we were a loving person. Number three, this kind of goes along with loving, is that we'd be kind. Over to Ephesians, says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ for God's sake hath forgiven you. That's Ephesians 4.32. Listen, be kind. You would be surprised what being kind will do for somebody. Listen, I worked in retail for over 19 years, and I met a lot of mean people, mad people. It was my fault that something didn't work for them, even though I had no idea what they were talking about. Over the years, I worked for Radio Shack, had people come in and slam stuff down on the counter like, this thing doesn't work. Okay, well, what's the problem? You haven't even you just told me it doesn't work. I don't know. But I always tried to keep a smile and be kind. And I've started doing this lately. When I go somewhere, try this. I'm telling you, if you try this, it'll, if it doesn't help them out, it'll definitely help you brighten your day. I, when I go out now, I go through a drive-thru or I go to a grocery store or I go and get gas somewhere, wherever it is. When I get done talking to the person behind the counter, I look and say, you have a blessed day. Sometimes they look at you like, what did he just say? Look like they got hit in the face with a dead skunk or something, you know? Because they're just not used to people being friendly like that. Or you hold a door open for somebody and they're just looking at you weird like, what are you doing that for? I'm being nice. You know, I held a door open one time for a lady. We were out with a group. We were out eating after one Sunday we sang somewhere. And I held the door open for the girls. They walked in. And this, these two ladies behind them, she goes, We can hold our own door open, thank you. I said, Well, that's okay, but God let me do it today. So you go right on in. They just looked at me. And they just walked in and the girls were in there. They were trying not to bust out laughing. But be kind. You'll get a lot further with kindness than you will anger. Huh? Amen? As my dad used to say growing up, you track more flies with honey than you do vinegar. Be kind. It's contagious. If you start being nice, maybe your co-workers will start being nice. I don't like working with old so-and-so. Comes in here, thinks he knows what he's been doing. I do this job for 30 years. He's been here 10 months, thinks he can tell me what to do. When I became a district manager for Radio Shack, I was one of the youngest district managers in the area. And I had store managers that were twice my age. And you have you going into that store and trying to tell them, this is what we need to do to make this. Oh, boy. I was doing this before you were born. That may be. But sometimes you've got to change the approach. But be kind. Be nice. It won't hurt you. I assure you. You can smile once in a while. Your face won't crack. I tell you what, how many of you have the joy of the Lord in their heart this morning? You do? Some Christians need to tell their faces that their heart has that because their face don't show it. I was singing somewhere a few months ago and these people, I'm telling you what, it was like pulling nails, pulling teeth. It was terrible. And, and listen, when you go out and travel and sing as much as, as I do with the group and stuff that I travel with, you see a lot of different people. Most people, you know, they're friendly, they're nice. At least they smile while you're singing. They may clap, they may not clap. At least you can tell. This one church we went into, I mean, I think we could have skated on the ice down the aisles. It was bad. These people look like a mule staring at a new gate. I'm not kidding you. Not kidding you at all. I mean, I mean, it looked like they were weaned on dill pickle juice and could cipher oats out of a jug and touch neat aside. That's what their faces look. I mean, just mean. 
I'm like, I was like, don't make them angry. They might turn green into the Hulk before we get out of here. But we were singing, and when you're up here singing, you're singing about the Lord, we're trying to be happy and joyful, because we are happy and joyful about what we're singing about. And it's just like, you, boom, hits the floor. I'm like, my goodness. So I told the girls after the offering was taken, because I'm smart, I said, I'm going to say something when we get back up there. She goes, what are you going to do? I said, just play along with it. She goes, that scares me. I said, that's all right, Jimmy, it'll be all right. So I said, hey, y'all having a good time? And I got like maybe one or two years. I said, well, I'll tell you what, man, I really enjoy singing about the Lord. I said, do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and repeat after me. Thank God I don't look like you. <laughs> I finally got him to laugh a little bit. And after that, it kind of loosened up. But when I think when they actually looked at each other and saw what each other looked like, they were like, oh, boy. <laughs> Imagine how it was for us singing for the first 30 minutes, you know. But be kind. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. Number four, the thing I think that a Christian would want to have on their, uh, on the, someone say about the dash on their tombstone someday would be that they were determined. They were determined. Now, that word determined means that you are you're, you're got your eyes set on something. What did Paul say? I have pressed towards the mark of the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's being determined. In Hebrews, where it says, uh, lay aside every weight and sin and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That's being determined. Being determined is that once you get saved, once you became a child of God, you were determined to serve Him no matter what come. Come what may, you're determined to serve Him. And you were determined for the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what happened, no matter what came your way, you were determined. You know, I know Brother Bob, he's, he's a plumber by trade. And I'm sure when he goes in and fixes a, uh, goes to a job, he's determined to find that leak and he's determined to fix that problem. Why? Because he's a plumber. That's his job. He's determined to do that. But on the spiritual side of things, and what he does in, for the Lord in singing, he's determined to come in and sing and be a part and present Jesus Christ in a form that people can understand and know who the Lord is. That's His determination. That's their group's determination. That's Ezekiel's cause determination. That's my determination. I want to point the loss to the cross through song. That's my determination. And I want people to look at me someday, if Lord tarries and I go home via death, people will say that I was determined. A lot of people will say I was determined to be ornery, because I am. But... I'm a determined person. If I get something set in my mind, I'm not going to quit till I see it through. And if somebody says, you can't do that, I'm even more determined to do it. When we were talking about doing our CD and stuff, we didn't know where we were going to go and do it. And uh, we had some folks say, oh, you'll, you'll, we were checking around some different th- things and options. And like, oh, you'll never get to go down to Nashville and do a recording without paying ten, fifteen thousand $15,000. Just not going to happen. And you, nobody knows who you are, so they're going to take you for everything. I mean, you ought to hear some of the things we had other Christians telling us. I got more support for some lost people than I got from some Christians. Just being honest with you. And I said, well, you know what? The Lord's going to work it all out. I'm not concerned about it. He knows our heart. He'll work it out. All of a sudden, boom, we get, we get in with a, with a record company called uh, Dan Shell Records. It's a Southern Gospel Christian Country label. Then we get a CD book, and the package that we're doing would have cost us $10,000 unless we went with him. 
God worked us all out. We met him over a year ago. We went with him, and it only cost us $3,500. But we're getting a $10,000 package, but we're only paying $3,500. I called one person up and told them what happened. They go, well, they're still going to rip you off. They couldn't be happy if, they, if, they, if their life depended on it. And uh, so God worked it all out. And then, uh, and then you know, we, we had some, and the way they do it is they pay it in sections. Like the, when you do this part, then you pay it, and they do this part and pay it. And uh, may I say the weekend that we were here, we were in Waynesburg for three days for a revival, and we were here that Sunday night on the weekend of March 11th. And with the love offering you all gave us and the one that they gave us down in Waynesburg, we were able to make the final payment on the CD. And so when we leave down there, everything's paid for, everything's done. All we've got to do is wait for the CDs to get in. Now, you tell me that we don't serve a a prayer-answering God. But if we'd not been determined, if we had said, well, maybe we should look someplace else, if we had not stayed determined, I don't believe God would have given the blessing. And I'm not saying that to brag on us. I'm saying that to brag on God because that's how good God is. But be determined. And then last but not least, testimony. Your testimony. You know, every test has a testimony. But what testimony, or maybe better term, legacy, both of them kind of go together. If God calls you home before the rapture, what kind of testimony legacy are you going to leave behind? You know, I, I have, I love my children. I, I have, we have uh, six. Am I wrong? I don't know. My brain's fried this morning. I apologize, folks. I have to go through this every time. We have, we have, we have, <laughs> my daughter's down there counting on her fingers. So six, living. Six living. That's that's what I was thinking. Six living. And the testimony I want to leave for my kids and the legacy I want to leave for my kids is the fact that their dad loved the Lord with all of his heart. That's the legacy I want to leave. My dad told me when he passes away, and he, 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 he turned 66 this past August, and he's prayed for God to give him 80 years. After his heart attack, he prayed God to let him live till 80. My dad's been a faithful, faithful preacher. He's been preaching uh, coming this June 48 years. Pastored for 45 of those years. And my dad has set a good example for myself and my brother and my sister. But my dad always said, when I'm laying in that casket and I've got my Bible, he says he wants to be buried with his Bible, which makes perfect sense to me. He's got an old uh, red, this is a, Schofield Bible here, but mine, as you can see, is held together by duct tape. His is too, but his is red. And that's his preaching Bible. And uh, he said, with that laying in the casket, I want everybody, all my kids to come by and say, my dad served the Lord for, to the best of his ability, and he loved the Lord to the day God called him home. And that's the testimony and the legacy that I want to leave for my children. That they can say that, not that uh, dad, dad went and sang all over the United States or, or dad, dad went and preached in all kinds of different churches and dad held revivals and all that. No. That's all superficial. Listen, I love going and singing. I love doing preach. I love preaching in churches. I love all that. But if I don't love the Lord and I'm not sold out completely to Him, then all that is is show. You know, last year, 
And people ask us, are you bragging about this? And no, I'm not. But last year, Ezekiel's call for the first time in their existence. God allowed us to sing in seven different states, a hundred different churches. The year before that, they had done like 25. The Lord blessed. Why? Not because Ezekiel's call is anything. It's because we were obedient to what the Lord had called us to do. And listen, with your new pastor coming, I'm excited for y'all. I really am. I'm excited for y'all. Uh, he's going to fit right in here with his hair pattern. You and him are going to be best buds. Uh, I'm a, mine's by choice. I keep telling people that. I can grow back in if I want to. I was trying to let it grow back in. You told me I needed to cut it again. But, uh, but you know... Uh, I'm excited for you all. And it looks like him and his family are excited. And they got young kids. And it just looks like it's going to be an exciting time here at Moundsville Baptist Church. And, and I'm honored and privileged uh, to be able to fill the pulpit for you all while he was waiting to get a pastor. And now until he gets here, I, I've just been ecstatic about it. I love you folks. You're like a second home to me now. And uh, even when I show up a little bit late, nobody yells at me. That's kind of nice. Uh, I know Bob was sweating this morning. He thought he was going to have to preach. Because I know Dave said, I ain't doing it. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, uh, you know, I'm excited what God's going to do for you guys here in this church and here in this body of believers. I, I think exciting times are coming. And you're going to see growth. I believe you'll see growth. I'm going to believe you're going to see just things explode around here. Why? Because God is in the middle of it. And this church has a legacy in this community. It has a testimony. And your life has a testimony. So what's that testimony going to say? What's that dash going to say about you? It's not that big. Some are bigger, some are smaller, but it's just, it's just a dash. And that's supposed to explain everything that happens in your life. But what people that knew you, people that know you, what are they going to say when they see that dash? You know, Because you don't only see it on the gravestone when you get that little card that has it in there too. And all the memories. But most of all, if your memories are focused, you know what? They were always in church. They were always talking about the Lord. They were faithful. They were loving. They were kind. They were determined. And those four things will leave you a great testimony. I remember what uh, I heard somebody say one time about a gentleman that passed away. He had not been saved that long. He had been saved less than five years. And uh, God called him home. He was battling cancer. And when we were at the funeral home, I remember this one guy coming in. I don't know who he was, but he came in and he went to the church where this gentleman went. And he looked at my dad, was assisting with the funeral. And he looked at my dad. He said, if anybody ever got it, he got it. He said, from the day that man walked the aisle, he said, all it was was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Telling others about Jesus. He would, in, in the nursing home he was in, uh, he had a stack of tracks by his bed. And when the nurses would come in to see him and stuff, every shift he'd give a nurse a track. Even though he had some of the same nurses, he still gave them a track every time. He was faithful. Uh, a pastor friend of mine who's in heaven today, Pastor Bob Barker, started Victory Baptist Church over in Fairmont, West Virginia back in September of 1982. And um, he had a habit of every time he went to the hospital in Fairmont or Morgantown, he would always put it, go up one elevator and put a track in there and go down another elevator and put one on that one on the way down. Every time he went to the hospital, when he passed away, it will be two years this June, that he passed away and God called him on to heaven. 
Fairmont General Hospital called the church and said, we need you to stop by and pick up something. And so uh, my, uh, my uncle's on the deacon board there, and they were kind of confused of what they wanted to pick up. So they went over there, they went to the office, and they brought out a box full of these gospel tracts that he had left in the hospital. You know what they did with them? They went back to the church. That following Thursday night, they divvied them up amongst all the men for visitation, and they all went to the hospitals to visit people, and they put them back in the elevators again. He was known as the track-carrying preacher. He always had tracks on him. And uh, listen, you would be surprised what a gospel track will do. I think only heaven will reveal the effect that gospel tracks have had. That little message you never know. But read our scripture again. Verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into that city. And continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, and this is what we need to say as Christians right here. We ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Listen, it's only by the grace of God and the will of God that you're sitting here this morning. He's the one that woke you up. He's the one that gave you the breath to breathe this morning. He could have called you to heaven while you were sleeping, if He so chose. But He lets you get up. How many of you thanked Him for letting you wake up this morning? Or did you just get up and start in your daily routine and just like, you know, life as usual? But maybe sometimes if we get up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, for another night, thank you for another day. You said, this is the day the Lord has made. David said that we should rejoice and be glad. I don't care if it's raining, snowing. Who knows what the weather's going to be tomorrow? What it's been lately? Who knows? <laughs> we could go home with sunshine and wake up to a blizzard tomorrow. I mean, it's just if you don't like the weather in this part of the country, just wait 24 hours. It will change. But when we wake up in the morning, thank the Lord for giving you another day. It's another day you had to serve Him. It's another day. You know why God kept you here another day? Because He's got something for you to do. If God didn't have something for you to do, He would not keep you here. If God didn't have something for us to do, the minute you got saved, He'd have taken His spiritual Louisville slugger, conked you on the head, and took you on to heaven. But He didn't do that. Why? Because He's given us all one clear command to do. Go and tell others about Him. Oh, I can't preach a sermon, Brother Jason. I don't know the Bible that well. I'm not, I'm not as prolific as evangelists and preachers. I, I, I get confused. Just tell them what God did for you. Simple as that. Tell them your testimony. Tell them how God changed your life. It's easy. Just, you know, if you go around with a smile on your face all the time, people will ask you why you're happy. What's wrong with you? Gas prices are up. Taxes are up. People in Washington are trying to kill us all. And you're smiling? Yep, because I know who controls it all. I know who controls it all. I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you know that as a Christian, you should not be unhappy at all. Because God's got it! And if so what? If God calls you home, guess what? You're going to be in a better place than you are right now. You're going to be in heaven with the Lord, with other believers. 
I can't wait to hear that heavenly choir someday. You get all the southern gospel singers up there, we will agree on what song we're going to sing then. There will be no deciding. But man, just and the Bible talks about that there's angels. 24-7, all they do is worship the Lord and say, Holy, holy, holy to the Lord God Almighty. That's all they do. 24 hours a day. But we sometimes can't praise Him for two hours on a Sunday. Listen, our life is short. Time is short. Listen, I don't believe we're very far from the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it with all my heart that it's the very next thing to happen on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of His church, the rapture of His bride, the blood-bought redeemed of the church, and He's going to take us to heaven and then the tribulation, and then we're going to come back with Him and rule and reign with Him. I don't think that's too far away. I just see what's going on in, 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 in the news and what's going on in the world, and I look at compare it to the Word of God. Let me tell you something. This is more up-to-date than any newspaper you'll pick up and read. It tells you what's going to happen. Well, I don't understand that, all that stuff. Pray before... How many of you ever pray before you read your Bible? You know, you should. Because before you read your Bible, you pray, Lord, help me understand what I'm about to read. Show me things I have not seen. Listen, I've been reading my Bible since I could read. And there's still things that pop out to me all the time. Things that I didn't see before. I'm like, man, how in the world could I miss it? I've read this passage 15, 16 times. And this all of a sudden, it boom, jumped right off the page. That's how God works in our lives. But pray and ask and help you understand it. And listen, when people say, well, what about the world? What's going to happen with the world? Listen, all you can tell them is, listen, you better need to get ready. Because my Bible tells me that he's going to come like a thief in the night. Now, a thief's not going to call you up and ask you, hey, you're going to be home on Tuesday and we'll come rob you. A thief doesn't do that, does he? No, he comes when you least expect it. And that's when Jesus Christ is going to come. And people say, well, how can that be possible? How can nobody not be looking for the Lord Jesus Christ? Listen, in the world we live in today, the fast-paced world we live in today, probably, unfortunately, and I will say this for myself because I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else, that there's times that I even forget that He's coming because of the busyness of life. It's not hard to happen. But He's going to come just like that. And then there ain't going to be no arguing or, or if you're either ready or you're not. And if you're not ready... You don't want to be here. Because you take out the salt of the earth, which is the bride of Christ. You think this world's bad now? You take the influence of the God's people out. Huh. It's going to be worse than ever. It's literally going to be a hell on earth. That's how bad it's going to be. So I trust this morning that you're ready to meet the Lord. Should He call you out? Or should He come back for His bride today? But if you're not, I know a place that you can come and get that taken care of this morning. There's people here that will pray with you, open the Word of God, and, and, and pray with you and talk with you until you have that assurance of that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because listen, when you, get, when, when you stand before the Lord someday, He's not going to ask you what church you went to. He's not going to ask you what Bible you read. He's not going to ask you if you put money in the offering plate. He's going to look for your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And look for that personal relationship in your life covered by His blood. Because that's the only way you're getting in is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other way but that. But through Him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know where you're at in your walk with Christ. I don't know... 
if maybe you've backslidden a little bit, or maybe you've just been playing games. Maybe everybody thinks you are, but you're not. Only you know. Only you know. I think of the parable of the wheat and the terror. Wheat and tares look exactly the same until you harvest them. And when you open up that stock of grain, that kernel, there's a little kernel inside of that grain. But in a tear, when you crack that stock open, there's nothing inside. It's empty. It looks like the real deal, but it's not. Because that little grain, that little kernel is not inside. Listen, that little kernel in the wheat is Jesus Christ. And only you know if He exists inside you. Only you know for certain. And I challenge you this morning that if you don't, please come and take care of that this morning. Don't leave this building until you know that He's the Lord of your life and you have that relationship. And maybe you're here this morning, maybe your walk's not where it should be. You can come and get that walk right where it needs to be again at an old-fashioned altar of prayer. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank You for this day. Lord, we thank You for the opportunity to preach Your Word this morning. Lord, I pray that You'd help all of us to realize that our life is very precious. And, Lord, that our time on earth is very short. And, Lord, that we need to be about the Father's business. And, Lord, I pray most of all there's one here this morning, the Son of my voice, that does not know you as their personal Savior, that they will before they leave today. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, shedding his blood so that we can have redemption and salvation and the eternal hope this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.